You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Well, it's great to see you all again and to, uh, to be here to uh, share God's word with you. Why don't we bow in prayer as we uh, come to God and ask for his help. Our gracious God, we thank you for the mighty promises we have about your word that it will not return to you empty. Uh, but will accomplish the purpose uh, for which you have sent it. So we pray today that, Lord, that you would indeed uh, teach us and train us, uh, correct us and rebuke us, uh, that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good thing that you have uh, to do this week and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you've been uh, enjoying going through Luke's Gospel. been quite a while now we've been in Luke and I hope it's been helpful uh, to you. Uh, Today we're looking at uh, Jesus uh, being supreme over Satan. I want to begin with a story Uh, when we were overseas as missionaries. A friend of ours had his house robbed. Uh, One of his local friends of course came, there were lots of people came to sympathise with him, but one of his local friends said, how did this happen? Uh, You have a watchman, you've got a security guy. Well, he said the robbers overpowered him and beat him up and he ran away. And uh, this friend said to him, well, I'll fix that problem for you. Uh, And he went and found another local guy uh, who was from the tribes in the north of Pakistan, a Pathan, the kind of person who doesn't feel fully dressed until he's got his Kalashnikov loaded and over his shoulder. so our friend made the arrangement with the guy, sat down with him, they agreed on the salary and the hours of work and so on. And then he didn't see the guy again. He never turned up for work. So one day he was down the bazaar and he ran across this guy. He said, hey, how come you haven't been coming to your duty? And the guy said, uh, why is there a problem? Have you been robbed again? He said, no. Uh, he said, well, what's the issue? He said, uh, while ever I'm your watchman, you will not be robbed. I'll guarantee you that. Well, it turned out this guy was the, uh, the town strongman and he just put all the word around the town to the robbers. You touch that house and life as you know it will be over. <laughs> and he didn't need to turn up. <laughs> he was the strong man in the town and everybody feared him. And friends, Jesus in this passage today refers to himself as the strong man. He's strong to protect his people. Uh, He doesn't need a Kalashnikov. Uh, He has all the power in the universe, and we're going to find out more about that. Uh, This great passage that tells us that Jesus is supreme over Satan. Now, the title of this series on Luke's Gospel is God's Plan for the World. In one sentence, God's plan for the world is that everything will come under the rule of Jesus. And that includes you and me, everything and everyone. Of course, it includes Satan and his henchmen, uh, the demons, the evil spirits. So three simple points today. Firstly, Jesus' authority uh, over evil spirits. In verse 14, uh, Jesus is casting a demon, uh, out a demon that was mute. A very simple sentence. When the demon had gone, the mute man spoke, the people marvelled. Now, if you've been listening as we've gone going through Luke's gospel, uh, 
the undisputed fact about Jesus is that uh, he's supreme, that he has the authority over evil spirits. Whatever he tells them to do, they do it. Um, you go back to chapter 4, there's a guy in the synagogue uh, who has a spirit uh, and the demon is scared of Jesus. He's, what are you going to destroy us? And uh, Jesus just simply rebukes it. Later in the same chapter, there are many people who have demons come out of them uh, and they're scared. They know who he is, but Jesus rebukes them and he wouldn't allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. In chapter 8, you see that Jesus casts demons uh, out of many women. Uh, so he's not bound by anything. Uh, in chapter 8, verse 27, there's a guy that's got many demons in him. You know the guy in the, in the graveyard that had the, the, the legion of spirits in him? And again, Jesus just cast them out. Chapter 9, uh, there's a boy. Uh, and this demon throws this boy to the ground and convulses him. And Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit, heals the boy and gave him back to his father. Again, just one very simple sentence. Jesus did it. No ifs and buts. So Jesus had this authority. Not only that, but he passed it on to others. In chapter 9, to his disciples. Uh, and again in chapter 10, to the 72 that he sent out. And they're amazed that they uh, have this authority. Now, there's three results of this. Firstly, we see that the demons are scared of Jesus. He has total authority over them. And they recognise that he can destroy them. And secondly, people are amazed at Jesus' authority and his majesty. You see that in chapter 4 and chapter 9. And again in our passage today, the people marvelled, uh, we're told, in that first verse, in verse 14, when they saw that mute man speak. The third thing is that those who are freed from the horrendous impact of the work of Satan are so happy and so grateful. And you see that as a common theme as well. So what's in doubt as we come, not in doubt, sorry, as we come uh, further into this passage is that Jesus is very strong and very powerful against demons and Satan. He is the strong man, as I've already said, that we meet later in the passage. Now that's so comforting, isn't it? If you're a person who trusts in Jesus, there is no evil thing that you need to fear in his strength. That is so comforting for those of us who trust him, isn't it? Uh, but the question in this passage is, where does his power come from? And that's the second point, Jesus' power over Satan. Where did that power come from? So in verse 15, some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. A lot of people say, who's Beelzebul and all that? Well, it's explained there, isn't it? He's the prince of demons. It's pretty clear. Or he's later on in their passage, he's Satan. And others test him. They want a sign from heaven. So even though people can plainly see that Jesus has authority over these evil powers, they're confused about where that power comes from. Uh, some were saying that Jesus is doing it by the power of Satan. He's like some sort of demonic shaman, you know, who is doing it, um, enticing demons out of people. Uh, there are some people in some cultures who do that today, where we lived, the village we lived in, there were uh, shamans or bopos, they call them, who 
That's how they work. They entice the demon out of the person into themselves and they believe that they could deal with that power themselves. Now, there are other people, uh, of course, who want a sign from heaven as if what he's doing isn't enough. Now, apparently these people are talking about Jesus behind his back, uh, but he knows what they're thinking. So he challenges their speculations uh, in three different ways. Firstly, he says, what you're saying is illogical. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and divided household falls. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you're saying that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. So what Jesus is saying here is if I'm casting out demons by Satan's power, it doesn't make any sense. Why would Satan do something like that? Uh, when it's obviously negating his work in the lives of his victims. Uh, John tells us that Satan is a liar and a murderer. Uh, his work is to deceive and to destroy. Why would he use his power uh, to release people from a path of deception and destruction? Jesus saying, doesn't make any sense. It would mean that his kingdom is divided within itself. Satan's fighting against himself. Doing something that stops him from getting to where he wants to go. And Jesus says, a kingdom divided against itself, it won't stand. There's numerous kingdoms, every kingdom that's existed down through history. That's how it's ended. People become divided against themselves. They've been fighting internally. They get weak and that's it. Finish. As our politicians say, disunity is death in a, in a political sense. And it's true. So it makes no sense for Satan to cast out his henchmen from the lives of people that he's trying to destroy. That's Jesus' first point. Secondly, he says, you guys condemn yourselves. Uh, in verse 19, he says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? So he's challenging these guys who are hassling him. He says, okay, if you cast out a demon, by whose power are you doing it? Uh, he said, therefore, they will be your judges. Now, who's the they? Well, that's their sons, isn't it? Now, in the gospel, we don't find any evidence of uh, Jewish uh, exorcists, but we do find an example in, in uh, Luke's second volume. Luke wrote two volumes, by the way, his gospel and the book of Acts. Uh, and in Acts 19 in Ephesus, uh, there are the seven sons of Sceva, the high priest, who are itinerant exorcists. They're going around casting out demons. And they, they come across this guy and they try to cast out the demon in the name of Jesus. This is interesting, isn't it? They recognise Jesus' power and they try to hijack it. And they, the demons say to them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognise, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This is a comical scene, isn't it? So here is the, actually, as far as I know, the only mention in, in the New Testament of the, of the sons of Jews casting out demons, the son of high priest, no less. And they're trying to do it in Jesus' name, which means, actually, they themselves don't have the power to do it. So the answer to Jesus' question, by whom do your sons cast them out? Well, they don't. <laughs> they can't. The demons overpowered them. 
So that's Jesus' second argument. The third argument is that actually you guys can see my power. And he talks about, he says, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armour in which he trusted and divides his spoil. So this is exactly what Jesus is doing here, isn't it? Jesus is overpowering Satan and he's taking away his tools, which are his henchmen and his demons, uh, to destroy people's lives. Uh, Jesus makes it really clear here that the only way that someone can gut the work of Satan is by overpowering him. Uh, like my friend's watchman, his very presence in that town is enough to ensure that that house is not going to be robbed. And the very presence of Jesus in our lives uh, makes it sure that Satan cannot overpower us. Now the problem these people have actually is they don't want to acknowledge it. It's as plain as day to them that Jesus is stronger than Satan. And they don't want to acknowledge it. So Jesus confronts them with that. Verse 20 is kind of the crux verse in this whole passage. He says, But if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So he sums up this whole dilemma in one sentence. He's saying the question you raise is a very, very important one. By whose power is this happening? And he says, if it's by the finger of God, then friends, God's rule has come. So at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Here, he's saying, actually, the kingdom of God is here. Why? Because the king is here. <laughs> and he rules over all. And it should have been obvious to them. So Jesus is not just saying here, you know, that he's doing something really good and he's freeing people from demons and that's great. It's, there's way more than that in it, isn't it? He's saying, if I'm really doing this by the finger of God, then the implications of this are immense. They are huge. It means that the kingdom of God has come upon you, he says to them. The rule of God's a present reality that Jesus really is the king of Everything, including them and including you and me. The whole of our lives are to be lived out in the light of that great truth, that Jesus rules. Not me, not you, not the government, not anybody else, but Jesus. He's the rightful king. And a Christian actually is somebody who recognises that, the authority of Jesus. That's what it means to live with Jesus as your Lord. You say, yes, he is in charge of my life. Whatever he wants me to do, I'll do it. That's what being a Christian means. So Jesus' authority is absolute and his power is God's power. So then Jesus moves and says, this, this means that everybody has to make a choice. Whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So this is a high-stakes game, isn't it? You can't sit in the middle and say, well, I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, I think Jesus is a good teacher, you know, he's a nice bloke, did lots of good stuff. Uh, <laughs> Jesus said, no, no, it's way more than that. 
I'm either the king or I'm not. And I'm either the king of your life or I'm not. And if you're not with me, you are against me. If you're not gathering with me, right, if you're not telling others about Jesus, then you are scattering. You are turning people away from Jesus. Uh, that's what he's saying. That's a stark choice, isn't it? I imagine it's a bit like the people who are in the Russian-occupied areas of the Ukraine. You know when the soldiers come knocking on the door to take their young men to fight? <laughs> They've got a decision to make, haven't they? Are they going to side with the Russians or are they going to side with the Ukrainians? Is it Putin or Zelensky? There's no, look, come back tomorrow or next week or the week after and I'll give you my answer. No, you make up your mind. And this is what Jesus is saying here. There's no neutral place. Now, Jesus illustrates this in the next bit, the last bit of our passage, verses 24 uh, to 26, where he says, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, right? It goes off into the desert somewhere, uh, seeking rest, and it doesn't find rest. That's what demons are like. They're always looking to cause trouble. And it decides to go back, seeing that the person who, out of whom they were cast is clean, the house is clean, let's go back, and takes seven other demons with it. And the last state is worse than the first, Jesus says. Now, this is a big warning to us, isn't it? We can't receive God's help in fighting evil in our lives uh, without living under the lordship of Jesus. Those two things go together and Jesus says if we don't do this, then the last state's going to be worse than the first. You know, to say, yes, Jesus saved me and I'm going to just keep living my life the way I always lived it. <laughs> yeah, that, Jesus says you can't do that. It's a bit like the person who's rescued from drowning in the surf and the lifesaver says, look, can you please do what we tell you? Swim between the flags. And you say, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for saving my life. And next time you come in, you swim outside the flags and you get carried out in a rip. The last state of that is going to be worse than the first, isn't it? You're going to drown. And the person who's been rescued by Jesus has had evil dealt with in their lives. needs to live in loving and thankful response to the one who rescued them. Now, this links us back to verse 13 in the passage you looked at last week where Jesus says, talks about the Holy Spirit, God giving the Holy Spirit to his people. And he's talking about prayer, really, because if you know how to good, give good, gifts, good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, friends, we need the Holy Spirit, as opposed to the evil, unholy spirit that's left uh, living in us. And God promises that. Uh, to those who ask. What a great promise that is, to have God living within you. And the result of that, friends, is that that Holy Spirit living within us, or Jesus living within us by his Spirit, uh, is what deals with the fear, isn't it? Uh, John talks about this in 1 John 4. 4. He says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, that is the evil forces, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He's saying you don't need to fear. In fact, 
Further on, he says, perfect love casts out fear. Uh, You don't need to fear because the one living in you is greater than the one in the world. Now, this tells us something, doesn't it? We will not beat Satan on our own. He doesn't say you guys have overcome by your power. He says, no, it's because of the one living in you. God's powerful spirit overcomes Satan and his henchmen and they don't dare return. And the spirit works to make us strong in the strong man, the Lord Jesus. That's why we're here today, isn't it? To sit under God's word, to be built up, to be strong, to become more like Jesus, like the strong man. Uh, Once, uh, when we'd been away for a long time from our village uh, on home assignment in Australia, I returned uh, to the village ahead of our family uh, to um, get the house ready. Uh, There was a lot of dust and I arrived in the village. We had lots of catch-ups and greetings with people we hadn't seen for months. And I got to work cleaning the house. And as the day wore on, uh, neighbours began coming and insisting that I sleep at their house that night. I said, oh, thank you very much. I thought they were just being hospitable. I said, oh, but I want to keep working. I'll work into the night and get this totally ready uh, and then I'll sleep. But they kept insisting And I said, look, you guys are worried about something, aren't you? They said, yes, we are. You've been away a long time, and while you've been away, the evil spirits would have come in and inhabited the house. So you need to stay with us tonight. They were were scared for me, which was nice. I I, I thanked them very much for their concern, and I said to them, look, the Lord Jesus lives in me, and if if that's happened, those demons would have fled long ago. And and, and if they're still here, they they have to run away. He's, He's more powerful than them. I knew then that I, I needed to sleep there that night for their sake and my own. And so I did. And uh, we used to sleep out, out under the trees or on the veranda. It was a very hot place. And I uh, slept like a log, I think, because I'd been working so hard. Anyway, the next morning, all these people peeping over the fence, <laughs> saying, well, what's happened to this guy? Is he dead or alive or what? And anyway, I was able to tell them, Thankfully that, and truthfully that the Lord Jesus uh, had protected me and enabled me to sleep uh, very soundly. Friends, uh, you may not always see Jesus sitting at your gate protecting your life or even feel his presence in a tangible way. Uh, but rest assured, he is supreme over Satan. And if you're following him, Uh, He is with you always, even to the end of the age. And greater is he that is in you than the one that is in the world. Satan cannot harm you if you are in the Lord Jesus and he is in you. So you don't need to live in fear uh, with the strong man in your corner. You can live confidently. Uh, Trust him, stay firmly on his side and don't fraternise with the enemy. If he's bothering you, and he will, uh, through your own earthly desires and temptations, uh, then resist him and he'll flee from you. God promises that. I I want to say to you this morning, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, uh, he's saying to you that it's decision time. Uh, You need to decide are you on his side or on the other side. C.S. Lewis said this, So you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. 
You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let's not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he didn't intend to. He calls on us to respond to him, to trust him. He's the rightful ruler of the universe. He created the whole thing. And he died on that cross so that you could come into his family. He defeated Satan uh, so that you could be on his side. Very quickly to finish with, I want to say, if you're a follower of Jesus already, then friends, we need to keep Jesus at the centre of our lives. Live under his rule in every instance. Now, what does that look like? I want to talk about a few things. When we're tempted, as we always are, to give our allegiance to other kings, remember Jesus. When the evil and enticing spirits of wealth and fame and glamour exercise their pull on you, as they do all the time, remember Jesus, who gave up everything because he loves you. Follow him alone. He alone is the king in the end. And in the end, he alone will rule. Secondly, when the powers of the occult entice you, uh, remember that, they, that you belong to Jesus. And make no mistake, Satan uses these things uh, to deceive God's people. So friends, don't dabble in palm readings or horoscopes or Ouija boards and stuff like that. Steer clear of it. Uh, don't go to clairvoyance. Don't trust in crystals and charms or jewellery to protect you. Even Christian jewellery. <laughs> Don't trust in that stuff. It's only Christ in you that is the hope of glory. There's no other hope. And thirdly, when you feel oppressed by evil, uh, remember that only through Christ can you win. On your own, you can't win. Satan is more powerful than us, but he is not more powerful than Jesus. Uh, the battle might be long and hard, but the strong man wins in the end. Keep trusting him and he'll never let you down. Uh, he alone can keep us to the end and he promises that he will. Uh, friends, I want to say too, if you have come to Christ from a background of occult involvement or demon possession, or even if you don't, uh, use the whole armour of God. In Ephesians 6, you can read that chapter, to protect you and wage war on the forces of evil. Uh, there's one attacking weapon in there, isn't it? It's the sword of the spirit. And that's part of why we're here this morning, isn't it? To sit under the word of God, to become skilled in using the word of God to defeat the lies and the deception of the devil. And not only that, to combat his destructive power by building ourselves up in the strong man. That's why we're here. That's why we're in church, to help one another to do that, build one another up. So the counter to lies, friends, is the truth, isn't it? That's what Jesus did when Satan confronted him. What did he do? He quoted from the Bible, didn't he? He answered every attack of Satan with scripture. So the counter to lies is truth. And the counter to destruction is to build up, to let the strong man make you strong in him as he works by his spirit to build you up in him. Uh, Jesus is stronger and he's 
working to protect and keep you uh, to that day when he will take you safely home. And Satan will be finally and utterly and fully finished. What a great day that will be. In the meantime, let's keep trusting him. Uh, I'm going to pray in a moment, but I think, first of all, let's each individually take time uh, to respond to this great truth that Jesus is supreme over Satan and to hand our lives back over to him again. Let's take time to do that, then I'll lead us in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your amazing authority, absolute authority and power uh, to free people to come into your family. Thank you for your death on the cross by which you defeated Satan. Thank you for releasing us from the fear of death, from the fear of Satan. Most of all, thank you for releasing us from the penalty of our own sins. And Lord, help us as we step out into this new week uh, to trust in you, Lord. Keep us through all the temptations and attacks of the evil one that we come across in this week. Uh, Lord, keep us strong and confident in your power, your strength, the one who lives in us, who is greater than the one in the world. We pray that as we do that, Lord, that you would uh, give us more and more victory, make us more and more like the strong man, that we might point other people to him. And we pray in his name and for his sake. Amen.